0: The ecosystem in the Antarctic has been under threat from many things. Pollution, collapsing ice sheets, ocean acidification, and more. But the latest could put much of the marine life there in a bit of a pinch. It's an invasion by an army of king crabs. We're joined now by James McClintock, a professor of physiology and ecology at the University of Alabama. Welcome to our show for this underreported segment.
1: It's good to be here.
0: Aren't king crabs in the southern hemisphere typically found in deep waters?
1: that is correct. Uh we know from uh various sources, many, that uh they've been living in the deep sea for for probably millions of years, but we also know that they haven't been living uh for millions of years around the continent of Antarctica. So they they are deep
0: in the middle of the of the uh the ocean, the middle of the Atlantic or the Pacific.
1: Uh, Throughout the world's deep sea, there are populations of king crabs, but we know that there's been uh, very dense populations of king crabs in the deep sea surrounding Antarctica, but um, they haven't uh, been—we don't believe that they've been up on the slope of Antarctica, and we know for sure that for millions of years they haven't been on the shelf of Antarctica, which is, oh, about 500 meters down uh, and surrounds the continent.
0: So what do you believe is driving the king crab up from deeper waters into the Antarctic Shelf?
1: Yeah, well, I think what what's happening, um, and my colleagues, Rich Aronson and Sven Thatchy who are on this project with me, have been postulating for years now that king crabs have not been in Antarctica, probably mostly because they don't do well with low temperature. Um, and this is true for other groups of crushing predators, like sharks and skates and fish with strong jaws. They just haven't been in Antarctica and neither have crabs or lobsters. And there has been some physiology studies done with crabs that show that if you put them at very low temperature, they have trouble regulating magnesium in their blood, and it acts like a narcotic to them at low temperature. It's almost like they become drunk and sluggish, and they fall over. And so the the basic tenet here is as climate change is warming Antarctic waters, and certainly along the Antarctic Peninsula they're warming quite dramatically, um, this may open the curtain to allow king crabs from the deep to essentially move up the Antarctic slope uh, over the top and onto the shelf.
0: But I would have assumed that the water in the deep sea would be colder than it is in the shallower shelf.
1: Actually, that's a a very interesting uh, point, and we don't have a lot of measurements of temperature uh, in those areas, but um, it's actually the opposite. Antarctica, the bottom water, Having to do with various patterns of currents, etc. It tends to be a little bit warmer than the cold water that's upwelled and pushed up onto the shelf from the deeper sea. So it has to do with the current patterns. So actually, they are facing a bit of a temperature barrier uh, historically as they were kept from Antarctica.
0: Now, are these? Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say they haven't they haven't gotten up onto the shelf yet, um, but they are. Um, we know from our recent cruise along the Antarctic coastline that there are areas where they are massing in, in fairly large numbers on the slope. And so I would say that they're poised, and we would anticipate that within you know 50, 100 years or less, they may actually move into this system, which brings with it a whole suite of potential issues.
0: Are these the kinds of king crab that we find in seafood stores?
1: These are a foot to two feet across. They're, they're similar to what I see when I go down to Antarctica uh, through Chile. And our ship leaves from Punta Rinas, Chile, and often they'll be uh, crabbing boats up at the dock. And uh, one of the most wonderful meals you can have in, in Punta Rinas is a, a centoia, which is the king crab that they bring in. And so they're about, they're not as big as the Alaskan king crabs, but they're about a foot to two feet across and wonderful to eat. So yes, this is a a potential uh, crab that you could eat.
0: And I would assume that uh, if we are having problems controlling the population, we could simply harvest them, or would that make them an endangered species?
1: Well- that's interesting because about a year ago I got an email from an Arctic crabber who asked when he could point to the bow of his ship south, and uh, so maybe someday you know if they do move up onto the shelf, um, one potential way to regulate their populations would be fisheries. Although if you if you're familiar with the TV show The Deadliest Catch, after having spent uh, many a day in the Southern Ocean myself, I would say that we may have the deadliest deadliest catch to uh, to establish. A fishery in those waters, it would be quite a challenge.
0: That, that's because the waters are tricky, or uh, because the waters are polluted?
1: No, no, the waters are very pristine. Um, there's very little pollution in Antarctica, although there is some localized around some of the Antarctic research stations. But um, no, it's just that the seas are very fickle. Um, uh, the Drake Passage that we cross to go down and do our research at the Palmer U.S. Station um, can be tremendously uh, rough at times. So um, this is because it sort of funnels down in that area. You get storms coming in from both sides, from both the, the Atlantic and the Pacific. So it it can be a real challenge to work in those waters. Now, that said, there have been some fisheries in Antarctica. The Japanese have fished for krill there. The Antarctic cod has been fished by the New Zealanders. So it's certainly not out of the question. But my concern with the crabs moving in to the shelf is that the shelf has been devoid of crushing predators for millions of years, and the marine invertebrates uh, that live in this system, the clams and the snails, and they're very poorly um, calcified. I could, you could pick up a clam in your hand and crush it. Uh, it's just sort of a wafer-thin shell. That might be because it's a, it may be a little more difficult to make a shell at low temperature, but it's also, I believe, because they just haven't needed to protect themselves from predators.
0: So that would make them an easy meal for a king crab.
1: Oh my goodness. I think that, you know, it could be devastating. They could move in and just take out populations as they move through. So this will be something that we hope to be following.
0: How much do we know about marine life in the Antarctic?
1: Well, uh, it is a bit of a frontier. And it's only been in the last 25 to 30 years, really, that uh, scuba diving has become a regular occurrence in Antarctica, and so the marine biology of Antarctica is a relatively uh, new field. We have uh, we have a pretty good sense of who the player players are in the system. Um, there have been enough studies now to elucidate, I think, somewhere between eight and 10,000 species of marine invertebrates. There are certainly many more. Um, we know a fair amount about the seals, the penguins, the whales, uh, from research that's been done on those species. And the thing that interests me so much about Antarctica and why I've, I've really enjoyed working there over the past 25 years is that uh, Antarctica is sort of a barometer for change, Um, just as the Arctic has become in terms of climate change. um, The Antarctic Peninsula now is one of the most rapidly warming regions of our planet. And just my personal experience in working there the last 10 years, I've seen changes in front of my eyes. And so it's become a laboratory, if you will, to do climate change research. And uh, this is an area that I'm getting more and more involved in now
0: well we've been seeing the ice sheets of of greenland melting the same thing happening happening in antarctica
1: absolutely um gosh the the uh, in the last 30 years there's been eight or nine major break, breakouts of ice sheets on the antarctic peninsula uh you might remember the larsen b ice shelf that broke out um was the size of uh, Rhode Island, and more recently, the Wilkins Ice Shelf at the base of the Antarctic Peninsula uh, disintegrated, and it was the size of Connecticut. These are these are major ice sheet breakouts. Um, the glaciers are receding. The one behind our station used to, in the 60s, you could open the door of the station and step onto the glacier, and now it's a half a kilometer to get to it. Um, so you're just seeing a recession of glaciers. You're seeing ice sheets breaking out. The annual sea ice, the, the ice that forms around Antarctica and doubles its size every year, uh, along the Antarctic Peninsula, it has receded 40% in terms of its duration each year and in terms of the extent that it uh, it pushes offshore. So, It's just a tremendously uh, variable environment right now. It's changing so quickly.
0: I spoke to uh, Dr. Sylvia Earle last night, and she talked about how the oceans have been the lungs and the heart of the planet Mm -hmm. and how acidification uh, is changing all of that and making them unhealthy. Are we seeing acidification in these pristine waters?
1: Yes. um, Acidification is going on in all the world's oceans. Um, In the last, well, I would say since the onset of the Industrial Revolution, um, the pH of the world's oceans has dropped about a tenth of a pH unit. It doesn't sound like much, um, but just as uh, human blood is very susceptible to very small changes in pH, um, uh, acidosis, where you can have a, a tenth of a a tenth of a pH unit decline causing coma and death in humans, um, a a tenth of a degree pH decline in the world's oceans is a 30% increase in their acidity. And I I would add that Antarctica... For various reasons um, is essentially the canary in the coal mine for ocean acidification. Um, this is because the southern ocean is a huge ocean, therefore it 's a very large sink for carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, which is what causes the oceans to become acidic. The amounts of um, Aragonite and calcite, these are the elements in calcium carbonate that animals use to make their shells and skeletons. The amounts of those carbonates in seawater in Antarctica are lower than other places for a number of reasons. So one of the things my group here at the University of Alabama at Birmingham will be doing over the coming years is looking at ocean acidification impacts on Antarctic marine invertebrates and seaweeds to see what their impact is because they will, in fact, be first and foremost uh, affected.
0: Professor McClintock, thank you so much for talking with us on our underreported segment. James McClintock is a professor of physiology and ecology at the University of Alabama. We've been talking about the king crab invasion in the Antarctic shelf, but also other problems in the ocean. Thank you again.
1: My pleasure.